the blast from our past network. Talking back. Double feature. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and this week we're going to be covering the Kamandi Challenge from 2019, and this is a very special Double Feature Friday episode because we've got some special guests with us, and Dean, I'll throw it to you to introduce them. Sounds good, Tim. This is usually the time when you throw it to me when I get to be a little bit of a stinker. And I get to say something that I think is super hilarious and you hate. Um, But you know what? We're going to put that aside because we have very important guests to introduce. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Oh, you're just happy that I'm not going to be a stinker. Um, Two very important guests. They are two good friends of mine. The two guys that got me into podcasts. I am going to introduce Alex Rupp and Patrick Hess. Now, I I have one little stinker thing to do. Uh-oh. I'm going to give them nicknames for this, for this podcast. So we're going to go Uh-oh. with Alex, the renegade Rupp, and Patrick, the hurricane Hess. Ooh. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the podcast. I like it. Oh. I, I think I could get into time. that. I'm, I'm sad this is the first time anybody's ever actually called me hurricane now. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we will keep it going, Pat. Like, yeah, it was there the whole time, and... It's there the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining. Um, We've had you both on the podcast before. Alex joined us for Total Recall and for the Lock and Key comic book series. That's right. I couldn't remember why I was here before. I just show up. It was was that memorable. It's there. (laughs) And Pat joined us for, for good time. Not a good time, but good time. But it turned out to be a good time. I would say we had a good time. It was a good time. <laughs> okay, well, as I mentioned, we decided... Actually, Dean, you said that these two guys got you into podcasting. Yeah, man. I'll go one step beyond that. The three of you got me into podcasting. Because you guys were all on a podcast, Nothing But Comics. And I was a mega fan. And it was the very first podcast I'd ever listened to. I only listened to it because you were on it. So I was like, I didn't listen to podcasts before that. Tuned into that one, listened to it every week. I think I was like 30 episodes behind when I started. And I was binging like three in a row. And they were like an hour and a half each. So I just got right into that, loved that podcast. And then eventually just got into doing this uh, with, with you, Dean. So, so you call yourself a, 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 a super fan of nothing but comics. And I think that might be an understatement. I remember when we got to, <laughs> well, what was it, Morden? We, we drive out for Dean's wedding. And uh, and you pick us up, Tim. And you're just talking, you're talking about the podcast and you're referencing stuff that like, I don't even remember. <laughs> you were so into it and it was awesome. I loved it. I had no idea what you were talking about. I, and I was there for every episode. But <laughs> I loved Alex, it. Man. I loved that podcast. Alex, you texted me that you had arrived in Morden, and Tim's like, "I'll go get him. I'll pick him up." <laughs> <laughs> I'll, drive around, I'll drive him around town. <laughs> he he was he was so excited, and then he meets me. And it's like, oh, this is this is him. Uh, <laughs> you don't don't meet your heroes. Don't meet your nah, heroes. Get out of here. <laughs> I was like, I'll I'll go pick him up. I'll just call out for him. And I'll know his voice when I hear it. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I, I I just at that at that time I was walking around just uh, you know going welcome to the Nothing But Comics podcast. <laughs> just everywhere I went, they turned there he is. At that That's point. him. <laughs> That's the guy I'm supposed to pick up. You were really good at that, Alex. Though I will say, so good. Still got it. I, well, I still practice. Still every every morning when I wake up, that's the first thing I say. Okay. <laughs> the wife sleeps in a different room at this point. It's a whole big thing. We're seeing a we're seeing a counselor. It's terrible. The uh, the one time that Alex wasn't there to do the intro, it was uh, it fell on my shoulders to do the intro, and I said cod passed. I said welcome That's to right the cod passed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to do those intros. It is. It is. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love that. That's great. Uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, you guys were kind enough to, to join Dean and us, us and the family at his wedding. And you guys had never met before. No, no, um, but we talked like every week for like over an hour. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, like, it was really cool. Like you guys are both yeah. in, um, you know, USA and we're up in Canada and you guys both came across the border for his wedding. And so we all got to kind of meet each other and that was really, really fun. And uh, Alex, you were nice enough to purchase me a couple of comic books. You definitely yep. didn't have to do that. Well, for driving, for driving me around. That was, I just, I, I did that so I could talk to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciated the comics. One of the comics you gave me was issue nine of this Commandi challenge. Yep. Still the best epi episode. Still the best issue, I think. Having reread all of this. For best sure. issue. I agree. Uh, you gave me that, and you gave me the volume one of Southern Bastards. That's so, right. Both a couple of really good reads. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we, uh, Dean, Alex, and, and myself, we kind of got together the night before, had some drinks, talked about comics, talked about some of Alex's stories he was writing. And then yeah. uh, at the wedding, we all got to meet each other. Um, Alex, I think I got you to have a tequila shot. Yes, you did. First time ever. <laughs> wow. Yep. That was amazing. I don't think I've had one since. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big drink. I, I live in right, Wisconsin. Okay. Everything's just beer. It's, it, Wait, it's, if they wanted it's to shop PBR. in Wisconsin, what do they go for? Like, what's the, what's the shot shot? The shot shot? There's a lot of yeah. Jaeger. There's a lot of yeah. Jaeger. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is some Midwest shit. Right? I'm telling <laughs> you. <laughs> Always appreciated that you guys made the trip up for that. And yeah, I know Dean. Oh, that's that's those, well, those that awesome. night, I, for, I forgot to bring it. I'm downstairs right now. They're up in my office. You gave us each a pack of those Marvel first yeah, appearance dude. cards. I was I looking at him again those. the other day. Yeah. I forgot. Ah, oh, I wish I would have grabbed them. Those were great. I remember it had like mine had like the first two Madracula in it. Um, shit. I had a yeah, like a Moon Knight and a Black Panther that are. Really yeah, you cool. did. The Punisher yeah, one too. I think that was um, maybe a Jaken cover. Maybe I don't know. Nice. Yeah, I could tell it's like what, a good artist. I can't remember who it is though. I know you definitely got Moon Knight because I remember yeah. like. I, I immediately turned into like like Kid Alex opening up cards with friends, and I saw your Moon Knight, and I got jealous. I was really in the Moon Knight at the time. I'm like, oh shit, he got Moon Knight. You're you're like, are you guys up for tradesies? Right. <laughs> like fuck no. I got Dazzler. I got Dazzler number one. We can trade. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I think I got Stop those about. packs at a flea market. Like they were unopened packs of yeah. comic book cards, and they were just like first. Ish, first issue covers yeah put in card for yeah. and it was cool. on the back we yeah. this it was like late at night at dean's wedding we're all off to the side and people are yeah. still like dancing out there we're opening up our comic book cards <laughs> <laughs> of course of course it was yeah. great yeah yeah i was doing anything i could do to avoid having to go out on the dance floor so <laughs> these two well, were celebrities and, at my wedding because like our main listenership, I think, was just from Morden. Was just my <laughs> friends and my family. One of the people that listened to our podcast, so they were famous. Yeah, that's right. I felt like a celebrity that night. But the, uh, you know, going back to the dance floor, uh, I don't think I ever got out on the dance floor, and that's because I don't know how to square like hoe down, and that's what that was. Like the dancing out <laughs> at weddings, there it's it's like a hoe down. You guys are square dancing out there. It was crazy. It happens. It was crazy. You really? Oh yeah. No, I don't actually. It was like yeah. line dancing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that, too many tequila shots for Pat. That, that, that's yeah, like a thing. Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into Commandi here. So let's do it. As I mentioned, released in 2019 in honor of legendary comic book artist Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. Now, the Commandi Challenge is a combination of the character Commandi, the last boy on Earth, and something called the DC Challenge. Now, DC had wanted to publish a Planet of the Apes series, but couldn't secure the license. So they asked Jack Kirby to come up with a similar concept. Now, Kirby comes up with Commandi, The Last Boy on Earth, which runs for six years in the 70s. 
and it is basically Kamandi is a young hero in a post-apocalyptic future after a huge event called the Great Disaster. Humans have been reduced back to savagery in a world ruled by intelligent, highly evolved animals. The DC Challenge, conceived during a rooftop party at a San Diego Comic-Con, is a 12-issue comic run from the 80s, where each issue of the series was written by a different author and illustrated by a different artist. Each team would end their issue with a seemingly impossible cliffhanger that the next team would have to figure a way out of. So, DC puts Commandi the Last Boy on Earth and the DC Challenge together for the Commandi Challenge. And this was a 12-issue run from a couple years back. Now, let's get some just initial thoughts on this book. Uh, Pat, why don't you kick us off and just high level, high level us with what you thought of this book? Um, it's, I mean, like on the one hand, like I do really like it. And like, there's times where like, I, I, when I read it, when it came out and also like when I reread it now, and now it's the first time I've reread it since it came out or when it was coming out of issues. <laughs> like I do like really like love reading it sometimes cause it's like wacky and like fun and it's kind of like fun to look at from a craft level too just to see like what they're like each like artist and writer is trying to do and how it like ends up connecting with like these disparate voices um but also too like i don't know if it's necessarily like something that like is um high level high level because it's kind of like like by design it can't be because it's all these different people and also it's commandy so it's like it's meant to be like goofy and uh sort of in the spirit of that like 70s uh dc kirby jack kirby comics you know what i'm saying oh totally 100 percent. yeah yeah totally agree uh alex what about you yeah i kind of feel the same way it's it's like the best stupid action movie uh, yeah. that, that that you can watch yeah. um there's there's 12 issues you got about three and a half or four like solid issues in that i think um it's fun to it's fun to look at the different artist interpretations through that which is it, it's sort of like the charm of the whole challenge idea you get them into these weird ideas and sort of see where the next group can take them uh i i enjoy it as a whole it's it's dumb but it's fun and it still has one of my favorite issues rereading that tom king one i love that yeah that one's amazing it definitely sits above everything um do you guys like like the original point break oh yeah Yeah, i love that movie yes yeah Yeah, so like you all you probably all saw it like when you were like a kid first right yeah like when it came out yeah so it almost is like um and i kind of feel bad for the people listening to this that listen to things that are like recommendations for you because i feel like it's one of those it's a similar thing like if you saw point break when you were a kid then you're like this is the best movie but you can't explain to anybody that's an adult why it's good because it's like <laughs> right. really dopey yeah, that's and true. this is like it's like that or the way like Kamandi is like good is the way that like if you like or like like that you're used to reading like monthly comics and um like like that type of like if you like like the dopey shit or if you're into like the dopey but then also like kind of like amazing looking shit then it like it really works for you or it works for me on that level you know what i mean but if you're not used to coming at something on that level especially people that are like maybe more like literary and by like proxy want to read like comics like that like it might not be like the you might not get it i don't know i hate to say not get it because that implies that like there's like like some subtext there which is not the case <laughs> yeah, no, yeah i know what you mean but it, i think it's uh, maybe a better way to put it is not like it because i think i think there you could definitely not like it because of what it what it is yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah 100 i will say you bringing up point break made me realize uh this series would have been even better if gary Busey would have been in it yeah everything's better with <laughs> always Busey. right dean what are your thoughts yeah uh these two guys nailed it it's it's one of those things that like I can't really explain why I like it. I can't really I can't see myself handing it to anyone and saying you should read this. You should read right. this comic book. But I really enjoy it. I just really enjoy 
reading these issues. I think it's a, a product of what the book is. It, it, being a comic book reader, I think you would like this um, because of the situations that this book is putting you in. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I think that relation to like an action movie is 100% correct. We've done some movies on the show, Tim, where um, you can't really explain why you like it, but you liked it as a kid and we, we rewatch it now and we like it now. And it's just, it, it feels like that. It just feels good, even though I'm not sure I can pinpoint exactly what's good about it. Guys, we watched Total Recall and liked it. <laughs> Total, Recall Total Recall rules. This what is are you Total talking Recall, about? Total Recall's right? awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also the thing, too, like, if you just bought into, like, the, um, like, the premise of, like, comics, per se, like, the same way that if you're bought into, like, the premise of Total Recall or Point Break, like, you can, like, you look yeah. past, like, the parts that are, like, dumb or... The parts that, like, if you're someone that, like, reads, like, wants, like, saga would, like, be like, I'm yeah. not into this. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you you made a good point, Pat, about Point Break and seeing it as a kid and loving it for that reason. I really wish I had read this story as a kid because I really would have appreciated this. Just all the big ideas that are happening would just be astounding for a kid. For me now, it didn't work so well. Um, for whatever the reason is. I mean, I think I know the reason. The reason for me, ultimately, what I think fails in the book is that I was never a fan of Planet of the Apes. I never liked those movies. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what this is all based on. So there's lots of like these animal hybrid characters in this book. Basically, Kamandi's kind of traveling around this world and whatever country he goes to, they represent that culture with a different type of animal, um, like a human animal. And I think I just would have preferred if those were just humans from those cultures, um, just because I'm not really into all the animal stuff. And there's so many different types of animals in here because he travels around to so many different places. Um, but and that's, you know, th there is him. so much fun still to be had in this book. Tim, I think the Planet of the Apes comparison is also sort of the gimmick of the book, um, as well as like the gimmick with that series, where I was a kid who loved Planet of the Apes for the only reason that it is a, like a circle. The five movies are a circle. I, I was blown away that I could start anywhere in that series and I would end in the movie before it. And yep. that it didn't matter how good those movies were. I wanted to rewatch them and I wanted to start at different places and end at the movie before it just because I loved that gimmick. Uh, and I think this book presents that as well. I like it because of the gimmick it is, because of putting Kamandi in a in a wild situation and trying to get him out of it. Now I do think that, you know, the the gimmick you get more of the gimmick than you do like a story in this in this series. True. Um, yeah. At at the end I feel like there's there's no real payoff for the whole thing. Uh, we went 12, 12 issues, saw some ridiculousness, but came away with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So when when you say when you say gimmick, you're you're thinking you're, you're talking about like the the writer and artist team, and they're they're like doing something to kind of well, getting, getting out, of, out the, of a scenario and then creating a new scenario for the next right. team. I think I I think that this book was more fun for the creators to work on than it totally. was for readers to read. Totally, I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 I think it also comes with like what your expectation is. Like the yeah. um the, the thing about like the series is that like more than i mean it it is similar obviously like commodity was supposed to be based on planet of the apes but it also was like six years of jack kirby so it definitely was like its own thing like pretty early on and it is kind of in the style of like how comics were back then when he was making them where it's not like they their idea wasn't to create like a story out of like five to like 10 issues like their thing was like each issue is its own story yeah you know and you kind of get in get out and then sometimes they would have like overarching narratives but like even back then like when you read some of his like more esoteric stuff from that era like new gods or something like that like he kind of has like things building in the background but it still is like each issue is like its self-contained thing and that's kind of what comics were back then and and i would say too like more than anything like everybody in this comic is like riffing on like Jack Kirby in their own way. Yeah. You know, yeah. like sometimes they're really trying to write like him, which is like, 
like it's funny and like it, it can be funny and like charming sometimes and sometimes it is like a little grating and then like but the art is sort of like interesting the way that they interpret it and also mm-hmm. how like singular each one of those artists is from one another to a degree mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i mean some of them are very similar but you know like um like philip tan and um say like dan jurgens or something like there's like a lot of distinction between that right. especially the bill willingham issue i forget who the artist is on that look but that one like it didn't look like that was I've, that was ivan reese i think oh yeah that's mm. right yeah i love really ivan reese. Sorry, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned expectations for this series pat now i think another problem that i had was that the very first issue i read was the one that alex gave me which was number nine which oh, i think sorry. is the consensus <laughs> number one of this book so i was really excited to get into this but yeah. kind of let down when I realized that the the first one I read was by far the best. So, yeah. you know, basically I found myself just waiting to get to that issue again to reread it. Um, it's just is it a fantastic issue. But I mean, let's. I, so are we are we consensus that that is the best issue in this book? Would everybody agree? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, you've question. got you've got Tom King, right? Like the guy's just. Yeah. Um, one of the best, like most intelligent writers out there right now, uh, mm-hmm. writing a story with the art being done by Kevin Eastman, the co-creator of the fucking Ninja Turtles. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, man. How, yeah. how, how would this Williams fail? Uh, Freddie Williams, the guy that inked it, like did a really yep. good job on it. So. Oh man, yeah. the inking yeah. is insane. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. supposed to be black and white. There's, there's, if you, if you're not paying attention, it looks completely black and white. Like there's no color, but there is subtle, subtle, subtle colors of like blue and orange in it um and man i just i can't even believe i I, another actually cool thing in the book was that at the end of each issue the writer got to talk about the previous issue where he put the uh, the other team in a in a bad situation and how that writer would have written them out on his own but in tom king's for his issue he was talking about when he um like reached out to um kevin eastman about the book and kevin eastman yeah. just said like i'm gonna go like balls to the wall in this issue like you are not gonna believe what i'm gonna do and tom king said yeah um, i'm kind of thinking we just have one room we just have everybody in the whole issue takes place in one room and i i love that those kind of two differing ideas came together but they both achieved exactly what they wanted to do because like the art is insane in this yeah. it feels so this cool. one room feels so big and so expansive and my goodness the story that tom king like weaves here is it's it's unbelievable this this issue is a standalone issue you don't even have to read actually i'm not even going to re- recommend the commandi challenge i'm just going to recommend issue number nine, issue nine. Oh, yes for sure read that because it's a good standalone um it kind of is different than the other ones in in the in the book and man was it it was great right. but here's the thing like if it, it is the best issue from the series but i think it's the worst one to sort of play with the with the rest of the issues tom yeah, king immediately yeah. he goes yeah yeah that might have happened but who cares about that we're talking about this <laughs> that's that's interesting alex because i was thinking after i read it um like when you said earlier that this is more fun for the writers and artists than it is for us reading. I was wondering if all the writers and artists got to this point, read this issue and were just like, fuck you. You didn't play right? by the rules. You just made a cool ass comic. What the hell is this? Totally. You know what's funny about that? I don't know if that's the case or not, but like I did think that when I was reading the essays, because every other essay before that, his is like, uh, Steve Orlando did this or Bill did this, you know, and then for the next one, Greg Pak, uh, who's, you know, a very accomplished comic writer. I think he did like yep. Star Wars and Superman comics, like cool shit. Hulk. Yeah. Uh, I think he did the, yeah, the Planet Hulk, like the original yeah. comic Planet Hulk. Um, but like he doesn't mention Tom King at all. Doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he talks about Abraham Cotton, which makes me think he was like, what the fuck, man? It also, yeah. too, it is the only one that doesn't like it, like, every other one it took like from the exact ending and went forward and that yeah. one doesn't like it actually i don't know what it has like how like getting like seeing the lizard eventually ended him in that place 
it, right. it uses that ending and just vaguely describes that happening. You know, yeah. it's like they wake up in a room and everyone who's in this room first saw the lizard, then saw mm. a door, then is in the room. You know, it's just, yeah. it doesn't explain anything. It just says like, oh, it's a yeah. mystery. We're all here. The but other what, what a great like issue is like if he falls down something, like you see what happens before he falls or something uh-huh. like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So all the other issues, they're like mostly super adventurous. There's chase scenes. There's jumping out of or off of cliffs. There's explosions. Very high paced action. This one, they're just stuck in a room and there is some other animal creatures in there and there's one, one door and this door opens up and this classic like 50 or 60s kind of like retro style robot, um, like space robot comes out and systematically grabs them one at a time and takes them into this room where they disappear and Kamandi fights the robot every time he comes out and every time Kamandi loses and there's a great character there. It's that the elephant. He's like so positive. Mm-hmm. He's saying like, come on, man. Like maybe it's uh, maybe going to the other side of the door is great. Like we don't know what's on the other side. <laughs> maybe it's, it's awesome. awesome. Maybe it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, then awesome. the next yeah, guy you see drag, awesome. <laughs> getting dragged there is like, uh, don't, please don't take me. Please don't take me. And then he gets on the other side of the door. And he's like, I'm so terrified. And it's like yep. clearly nothing good is happening on the other side. But now I mean, when, when, when he puts it in his words, He's kind of telling, he says he's telling this grand story of like family and relationships. And you can really see that if you dig into the issue, like there's a lot going on in this room. Um, yeah. But all, but ultimately it's just like one at a time, they all get taken until right. Kamandi is the last one there and he gets taken through the door. And that's kind of how they end that episode. Or that issue. Well, right. And it, it's a great metaphor for death and how, well, how you... Yeah how you experience it and your reaction towards it. Um, you know, there's the door, what lies beyond, you know, what lies beyond when we die, we don't know, you know, are you going to, are you going to face it, you know, with bravery? Are you going to, are you going to be terrified as you go through? Everyone has a different reaction to it. Yeah. You think that also like that portends to, um, what, how he has like the two different quotes, like one at the beginning, yep. uh, Pascal, that's just very like uh, matter of fact, like, and then there's the one for Jack Kirby where he's like, talks about like, like, and he, it's weird. Like he talks about like the universe, he feels the universe inside him and that's like how he channels yeah. his, like how he makes comics. And Well, Tom King, Tom King's been using a lot of, um, uh, comic creator quotes lately in his work yeah. i don't i don't know yeah, if you guys yeah, are yeah. reading strange adventures or rorschach yes. yeah no yeah no. oh yeah you need to read i mean F- frank miller just showed up in rorschach so really nice yeah yeah wrap I'm your mind around that yeah. <laughs> oh That's spoilers awesome. but Oh, you don't care about spoilers pat i remember no that. i don't fucking care about that yeah yeah <laughs> well that's that's where you got that from dean <laughs> yeah, I, I also don't care about spoilers. Well, that's not go. like a spoiler. Anyway. I know. I was, I was just, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah it's those books have been amazing. Yeah, uh, I liked what I've read so far. But I didn't like keep up with it as well as I did with or I've had a harder time like remembering it like month to month. And I do feel like say like Mr. Miracle, but I still yeah. like it a lot. And then what they do when they switch back and forth between um, Mitch and what's his name? Um, Doc, Doc Shainer. Yeah. Is, yeah. The art is phenomenal in that book. Oh, but yeah, then yeah. in, in Rorschach, Jorge Fornias has been great. Yeah. Yeah. He's his cool. He's so cool. Good. I like his style. Yeah. yeah. You know, since we're talking about Tom King, I do think it's like, um, there's sort of an interesting, like how, uh, it, that book within its relation to the other, or that issue within relation to the other issues in the series kind of like portended his career, like one and how he's right. like really good at like doing a single comic, um, mm-hmm where there's just um like like you can like hit like really big themes out of it but also um how like singular a voice is and like how like distinct his style is and probably part of the reason why like he maybe wasn't like like not everybody that reads that just wants to read batman comics like him Yep. You know, and like now he just does these like twelve issue miniseries or max series right. or whatever you call them. Yeah, which but I think I is perfect show, yeah. for. But yeah, 
Um, I mean, I liked his Batman too. Like, I did too. I enjoyed yeah. it, but yeah, it, I thought it, was cool. it doesn't work for for DC as a whole. Yeah, I guess. It just, <laughs> yeah, the re- the readership wasn't just wasn't very it, pissed off. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. interesting with his with his take on this challenge. Everybody yeah. else kind of paid homage to the style of Jack Kirby and the way that he kind of writes and illustrates his his comics, kind of how fast the plots are moving. Tom King, mm. on the other hand, took a completely different route at honoring Jack Kirby. And he mm. did it with this quote, basically this quote at the end, this beautiful quote from Jack Kirby. And that's kind of how he honored him. So it, it is this weird issue that doesn't really seem like it fits in that book. But at the same time, I kind of almost think he did a better job at honoring Kirby than anybody else did. Mm. I I think it actually, this issue does make the book better. I know we're saying like he doesn't play by the rules, but he actually makes me care about the character in this story. Um, while I'm having fun with all these issues, uh, I actually care about Kamandi after this one because it digs into what he's had to go through, what all these like writers mm-hmm. and artists have put him through in these eight issues before. And for this issue, he has this room and he has this door and he gets into a state where he's fought this robot many times. And he just says, you know, what's going to be on the other side of that door? The only thing that's going to be on the other side of that door is another room with another door. It's like, that's what he's been going through this (laughs) entire series. He's been going through another room and another door and he's just ready to give up. And I love, he just does does what Tom King does. Makes me care about this character. Makes me get to the point that this character would be at after facing death, you know, many times over. Um, So I, I think for me, it made the rest of the book better. I got really invested at that point and, wanted to really see what happened to Kamandi after this, where before I was just having fun. Yeah. Um, So let's move on a little bit here. There's so many big and fun ideas in this book. Like what are some of the things that just that you like? There's some of the things you thought were really cool ideas. Some of the, some of the things in here that captivated your imagination. Dean, I'll let you go. Um, I like all the stuff with, um, you know, with all the animals, all the animals that can talk. I know you said uh, up top that you didn't really like that, Tim, but I like sharks with machine guns. I think that's cool. Um, I really like, I really like this giant, uh, I think it was a tiger or something, this giant tiger early on that was wearing a plane and uh, tanks around its neck. And Kamandi like uses that plane to fly away, like uses the plane that's on, that's being worn as like a necklace to fly away. I thought that was a great idea. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Alex, the introduction. Oh, sorry. I was just going to, um, on the tiger, that introduction, uh, of the tiger is like one of my favorite, uh, pages from the series and the issue before that, uh, big one starts with the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, for, sorry, for why, why? Like, just the story or the art? Or? No, the art. Like, Amanda Connor's art on there. It's, like, one of my favorite things for her. Or, like, her, like, that you can do, like, sort of the um, cartoonish style, but with, like, a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, I agree. Also, really good coloring on that page. Yeah. Uh, Alex, what about you for uh, just fun ideas in this, in this book? Uh, over the last year or two, I've really been getting into... Uh, ancient greek and roman literature and so i had fun i had fun with that uh odysseus ulysses portion of the book like it was dumb it didn't really mesh with anything else it was again another thing that a creator wanted to do and just did it um but i i had fun with it I like yeah, that. So and, th- and that was one of the things like these creators could kind of do just just have fun and 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 that came through for me yeah. yeah, so that one was like a big like Greek battle, like kind of like yeah. the whole thing was just on the battlefield, uh, and and Kamandi was kind of stuck in the middle of it, and that was a fun one because all he's trying to do is escape this battle, and he kind of he's like just one one man or boy, and he's able to just you know squeak his way out because nobody's really noticing him because two of these like animal factions are stuck in this right. like, great Greek battle. That was it was yeah was yeah the Greeks with. Yeah, yeah, the Greeks with uh, Odysseus and and the Romans with with Ulysses and right, and it's and in the end, it's the same person. 
<laughs> yeah. That's also yeah, um, so good. That's one of those ones too, those type of issues where they use um, like older creators just to do like one thing. And it's like a little like heavy handed in the way they do it. Or I guess like the subtext isn't really subtext because they keep like just saying it all the time. <laughs> right, <laughs> right? right. But like they just like, they still kind of like nail it really well just in like execution. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Keith Giffen and Steve Rude, man. Love those yep. guys. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about I you forgot. for? Oh, go ahead, Dean. I was just gonna say I forgot to mention those sharks with machine guns had jetpacks on also. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Can't forgot that. That's crucial. Part. That's a crucial part. They were the jet the jetpack shark attack crew was their name. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, I might be stepping on your toes here, Tim. But what was for you guys your favorite cliffhanger? Which one did you like the most? Ooh. Okay, I was calling them leaves and saves. Okay. So, so how did, how did the, uh, the writer leave them in a situation and how did the other writer save them? So my favorite leave was, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it can get much better than this. It was issue five subtropical thunder when Kamandi is left gutted on an Vivis- yes, yes. His, yes all his organs from his upper body are gone what do you do with that best leave that's the best leave <laughs> i agree that's like that, the, that was mine too yeah i had yeah. i had yeah, i had talked i had talked to my wife about this comic but this is the only part where i actually showed it to her i was like look look what they're leaving this character off as well, up until this point you're dealing with like for the most part a very cartoony looking book you're dealing with talking animals they think Kamandi is the animal they're like whenever Kamandi talks they're like hey animal how are you talking how can you speak yep. um everything's kind of goofy and fun very pg and this is the moment where this becomes a rated r <laughs> a rated r issue where he's greased it's so graphic man it's like he literally yeah, yeah. has his entire entire chest is like has been taken out of him and he's just lying yeah. there lifeless and dead isn't the lemur holding his heart too like, oh yeah oh, yeah exactly got the heart yeah, in right the there yeah <laughs> i like the um art for like the issue that follows it that shows that is like my favorite one because i really like what they do with the colors there and also um I think like it had like a different like like there was a like different than like how Philip Tan usually draws because Norma Pond was inking it, so it had kind of like a '90s vibe to it that I really dug. Mm. Well, Ivan Reese was the one who drew the first, like when you first see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat, I want to jump back to you for any big ideas in the book that you really liked. Um, you know, I think probably beyond again like the Tom King one, I did really like. Uh, I thought that the Actually, those two issues um, that you mentioned are the one, the leave and save that you mentioned were like probably my two like favorites just in terms of thematics. Like, yeah, especially the one um, after it by Steve Orlando with uh, Phil Tan and uh, Norm Pond. I thought that was like really cool. I really, really loved this Grosnovo, the Russian bear. Mm. Uh, he, he's yes. called the Russian. He's the alpha of alphas. And yeah. no, this is his whole name. He, he's Grosnovo, the Russian bear, the alpha of alphas, the one driven by many. That's what he introduces himself by. And the idea is that he's, he's like supposed to be the Russian. Um, we've, we we're at Russia now and he's like the Russian kind of general. And he's the leader uh, or for like figurehead of the people. But they all like all the people cast votes into his head and they control his decisions by like their casting of votes. So it's almost like the, the real true way a democracy should work. You should have like a figurehead at the top. Mm. Everybody's casting their votes for what he should do. And then he's forced to go through with it and do it. I just thought that was a really, really interesting idea to have in this book. And, you know, like most things, he's just in it for a little bit in one issue. But I thought that was a lot of fun when I got there. Yeah, I'm not sure I even understood that when I was reading it. But now that you, you know, now that you mention it, um, Mm -hmm. it kind of clicks. Yeah, that that's that crown he's wearing, right? And it's every, that the the votes are being cast all the time. And he always has to listen to whatever the majority is. Yeah, the crown captures the voice of the people. So he's in charge. He's the figurehead. Whatever he says, 
everybody has to follow, but they're the ones driving him. And it's yeah. whatever they tell him right. to do, he has to tell them to do. Yeah. It's just, it's really fast. It's, it's, I, I love it. Really cool idea. Yeah. I love when it turns into a giant bear and a double bear <laughs> right. spread. Oh, man. Oh, that's like the, the, the city bear. It's like the city bear. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was so yeah. cool. That actually might be my favorite like art like from the entire series. Yeah. Also. That, that was yeah. really neat. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, I mean, have we, I don't think we've heard from everybody about like favorite saves and leaves. If you guys, if you guys have that, I got a save. You got a favorite save. Yeah. And so my you've save got a, you've is got a favorite. So after, so a writer has left another writer in yeah. a jam and you, you like how one of the writers got out of the jam. Yes. And it's very early on and it's a, a countdown to a missile that's going to be launched or some bomb that's going to go off <laughs> yep. and the silo opens and it's just a gorilla pops out yes. who just starts shooting everybody. And yes, I thought that, that was, was such great. a cool idea. I've, I've been, <laughs> I've been rewatching lost lately. And so there's a bunch of stuff with the hatch and everything. Oh, and boy. in that hatch, there's a bunch of equipment from like the seventies. Cause that's when they set it up. And it's just been that way forever. No one's been down there. No one's done anything with like upgrading any of those systems. The computer's super old. So I love that they would have this missile silo that they've never used. And they just like have punched it in to, to activate. But there's been something hiding there <laughs> that's going to pop out and shoot everybody because they haven't checked it. No one's gone down there and checked it. I thought that that was just so fun. Yeah, that's from issue one to issue two. I think that's correct. Think yeah, that's and correct. That, and that, yeah. That was that was a good way to sort of establish like what we're doing here, what we're what totally. you're sort of in store for through in the series. Totally, yeah. The issue before that was my worst leave. So you loved how the writer yeah. got out of the situation. I yeah. think the situation they put them in was the poorest because yeah. the issue ends with this bomb is about to go off, right? Yeah. Uh, the 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 Tiger King brings in this big bomb. But my problem with that is that the timer is at five minutes. Come on, he yeah. has five minutes to get out of the situation. Like in a book like this, that just seemed a bit weird. Like give them 30 seconds or give them five seconds. Right. But he gives them five minutes. I, I legit feel like Kamandi could have done many, many things to get out of that situation in five minutes. The writer um, could have even... Options. Yeah, the writer could have yeah, even yeah. written four and a half minutes and left it off at 30 seconds. Yeah, I feel like... I almost feel like the the writer of the first one with that leave was kind of being like really generous and was like, in, in, in yeah. cause he's the yeah. first issue, right? He's like, he's in a very good mood. Like, well, give, give him five minutes to work with. And yeah, I feel like they kind of got like more and more intense as they went, because I believe the way that this whole book went down is that as the writers were writing, they were able to read all of the issues up to that point. Mm. Right? The so they kind of, yeah. yeah. Right. So they knew what was coming and they could see what other people had been doing to other people. So I feel like the first guy was just very generous. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I don't know <laughs> if they really got like cutthroat enough with this whole thing. Like, I think there's a couple that are really, really cutthroat, you know, obviously our favorite with him being left gutted on the table. That's cutthroat. Like, where do you go oh, yeah. from there? Uh, but, but this one giving him five minutes to defuse a bomb, there's just so many options there. So I just, for me, that was the weakest. Which and, and you know it's funny that that uh, issue was written by Dan Abnett and reading some of his other stuff. Like I just recently reread the first arc of Wild's End. I don't know if you guys remember that one yeah. at all. He's brutal to the characters in that one. Mm. Oh really? Like, oh yeah. He will he will just melt the face off of like these. Uh, well, in there they're animals too. So Tim, you might not like it, but uh, um, <laughs> He'll just melt the face off of him. He's he's terrible to the characters in it. Good book though. Alex, it's my job to shoot shoot shots at Tim. <laughs> no, he was he was he wasn't shooting a shot. He was recommending I stay away from it. I appreciate that. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm okay. trying to help him. Out. I may have searched it out. Imagine if I searched that out because he right. recommended it, and then I'm like, True. animals, more fucking animals. Come on. You're like, I'm not driving this guy anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's the last ride he ever gets. <laughs> Fucking hate anthropomorphism. Yeah. <laughs> it's my number one pet peeve. <laughs> that and that and kid actors. Oh, <laughs> yeah, to hate kid actors. <laughs> All of them. 
No, <laughs> every no. single one. No, there's a lot that do a good job. Actually, lately I've been finding that kids, kid actors are doing like better and better. Uh, but there was a time. Well, yeah, because everyone thought like you, kid actors suck. So they had to. They had, they had to actually game. find decent actors. Exactly. <laughs> they couldn't just hire their nephews anymore. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, nothing would ruin, would ruin a movie quicker for me than a bad kid actor. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, look out. What are some of the movies that like really the bad child acting ruined for you? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I purged them from memory as soon as they happened. <laughs> I don't even like, that's not even something I want in my brain is to remember the bad ones. So I can tell you about some of the good ones. I think the very, the very first time I was blown away by a child actor would be Kirsten Dunst in interview, interview with a vampire. I was like, wow, that great job. Very good in that. In a movie with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, like just putting in incredible performances, she is just on their level. And I was like, wow, that's insane, insane role. But if you oh want to see, if you want to see a really bad one though, watch uh, Charade, the Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant movie. The the kid in it, like they dub uh, over his voice. Wow. <laughs> oh no, it's <laughs> awful. It that's by far the worst child acting I've ever seen. I promise you, I'm Poor not going to watch that. Right, it's such a Damn, good it movie. Sounds though. like another double feature. Yeah, it sounds like another <laughs> episode we got to yes. do. You guys want to yeah. come back in a little while and cover Charade? <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> will do that. <laughs> Not sure it's within your guys' like genre. Uh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. No, we cover no. everything, man. We're everything. Uh, I feel you. I watch okay. it anyway. So I I liked the save in the book after the best leave. So we got our my I think it's all of our favorite leave is Commandi lying there with no stomach or chest. Uh, no heart, no organs. And h- how do you save the guy from that? Yeah. And I was kind of thinking like, oh, these next guys are really, they're probably in trouble here. I think their pickup, like their save isn't going to be all that great because these other guys really left them in a jam. Um, Alex, what did you think about that? That pickup there where they, where the tiger, the tiger wrestler comes back and kind of like, you know, has an encounter with that raccoon doctor and is able yeah. to save Kamandi. So that's the one that was written by, that was Steve Orlando writing that one, yeah. right? The save. Yeah. 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 Um, how does he describe it in his essay? I think he says something like it was my knowledge of sea cucumbers that, <laughs> that helped me figure that awesome. that helped me figure that out. I like that's I I'm actually not normally a huge fan of Steve Orlando. He's done some stuff that I've enjoyed, uh, but mo- most things I haven't. I thought I thought he really nailed that issue. I thought he did a good job. There was a couple of one of the fun parts about this since it's been a couple of years now is sort of seeing which writers um, working on this sort of what they're doing today and how they're yeah. and and artists too how their styles have evolved over just a couple year period. Yeah. Um, like so, Steve Orlando. That one, that one was fun for me. Uh, reading something from his that I like again. But uh, uh, James Tinian, or no. Tynan, however you say his name, I actually didn't love his issue here in this. But the stuff that he's doing now is just phenomenal. It's so good. No. Uh, he was doing good detective comics back then. I remember. Uh, right. He was on detective That's comics. True. He was pretty good on that. I actually, that was about my favorite leave or my favorite end is. Um, the James Tinian issue, just because I think it's like, like it's the type of image that I'm like, hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah. That was the that was the issue with the giant jaguar, with yeah. the yep. jet the jet on his yeah. on his neck. I almost thought that that whole jet scene that could have been that would have been a great escape out of the issue, but that was only in, in the middle. So they kind of like they get on that jet, they progress further through the issue, right? Yeah, I feel like right. I feel like you were given the out right, you know, right on the necklace. It's right there. It's yeah. the jet. But then the next team sort of chose a different way to sort of deal with the giant uh, leopard or tiger, whatever big cat it was. They, they chose a different way to deal with that, but still use the jet to leave. Yeah, like they used the jet to go to Australia and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another, you know, 
chase scene comes down and I think they're they're given yeah. a vehicle. They're given a vehicle to, to yeah. run away in. Yeah. And then they end up just like driving off a cliff. And... <laughs> well they they have to escape the 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 Kanga Rat Murder Society. Mm, yeah. Yes, that's, yes. A t- that's a tall yeah. order. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tall order. I mean <laughs> not many people can claim to have to have done that. Amazingly or yeah, amazingly just having him flying out on that giant like bike with uh it says no man escapes the kangaroo murder society yeah yeah totally not like that yeah 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 that's cool um so a lot of a lot of the ways that they kind of leave Kamandi is him falling kind of falling to his death Mm -hmm. and then he's he's somehow rescued and they tie that whole falling thing in at the end so maybe this is a good time just to like move forward to the end and just talk about the end of this comic, because basically what's happening this whole time is Kamandi at the beginning, he thinks he's a normal boy. He lives with his grandmother and then a portal opens up in the sky. People come out of the sky, start shooting at him. Um, I noticed right away that he takes some, some laser blasts and he's not killed. He can like take damage. So he seems like a bit of a superhero. Then he's just thrown into this like roller coaster ride where he's going from one country to another, running away from animals who these animal tribes who capture him, they try to kill him. He encounters friends along the way, um, loses friends along the way. And this whole time he's looking for his mother and father, who his grandmother says, find your parents and save the world. So this whole time he's looking for his parents. They drop us breadcrumbs throughout about where his parents might be. But when we're kind of getting right close to the end, we don't get a lot of like closure on this book until pretty much the very end. So who wants to like chat about what goes on kind of right at the end? Who's got big feelings about it? Sounds like Alex does. I didn't like it. Um, I, I, to me, it didn't really Alex, work. T- 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 just like so, okay, set, so, set so up for the happens? listeners what happens. Well, Jack Kirby shows up. And he is, <laughs> he's, the, he's the creator. The creator of the original Commandi shows up yeah. in the comic. So they break the fourth wall, right? Yeah. And I don't know. I, for some reason, it, I, I wish I knew exactly why it didn't work. Um, it may have just been in like the writing. I didn't really, I, I didn't, he didn't really sound like Jack to me. Um, having read a lot of uh, Jack Kirby interviews, um, he seemed almost more of a parody of himself, but it was this idea of, uh, you know, he's had sort of the power in him the whole time. Just say your name, command D. And it's like, oh, at least, at least they, they admit that it is a groaner. Um, the the whole thing ending on a punchline like that, but it's sort of he gets <laughs> he he has this way of uh, of getting like a fresh start when he wants it. Uh, he he's got the power to lead inside of him, and it, the whole thing just kind of is nothing in the end. That's how I feel. I don't know. No, I'm I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. I want this to work. Like I'm reading it, and I'm like, I like it. I want it to work, but I'm kind of the same with Alex. It something felt off. Something wasn't working for me, and I didn't really enjoy that sort of final issue. I don't exactly know what it was though, because I I feel like the idea is okay. Um, I I will have to. I'm just gonna say, I don't understand the command D part. Can somebody please explain this to me? Right. The joke is it opens. So it's something that Jack, I don't think would even know about. Um, command D is like, so like when you're working on the computer, you'll, you can hit command D and it will open like a new sort of page. Like a, it's like a fresh, when he says fresh start, it opens up something new. It gets rid of the thing that you're working on and opens up something new. I'm looking for the joke because like, that's, so com- that's the first joke. of all, com- Command is like just a, it's just a button that's on Apple computers, right? Yes. Like the command button is only on it. I have an Apple. I'm looking at it right now. It says command. Yeah. So command D, does it, I don't, I haven't used it. Is it duplicate something? You're saying it just opens a fresh page. So it's in, I think it's like in your files. Like if, if, if you're in, okay. Okay. if you're in your files. I thought it, I thought it would like 
duplicate a file maybe, but then I, I still don't get it. I, I mean, so I guess either way, it's I don't, a I don't have, yeah, I don't have a Mac. Right? Okay. It's in the narrative of Kirby in, in this issue where he's telling, like, here's a weird thing is that Commandi in the comic encounters Jack Kirby and Jack Kirby says he's writing Commandi. He's like, he's writing yeah. him at that moment. Right. And he says, Commandi's yep. like, how do I get out of this? How, how do I save my parents? Blah, blah, blah. Kirby says, yeah, does that stupid groaner joke of like, say your name and then like put inflection on your last syllable or something. Yeah. Com command D. And Kirby is saying, if you want to reset everything, this is how you do it. This is how everything yeah. gets reset. So I think you're missing the joke. I think it's because it was a bad joke. All okay. he had to do was click his heels together three times and say, there's no place like home. Exactly. There you go. There That's... you go. I'm, I'm now Googling command. I've just never used D. No. So the idea that it's supposed it to be like a, a metaphor for like create something new like Jack Kirby. Yes. Like, well, yeah. okay. So it's it's duplicate the selected file. So it's copying the file. It's still, it's a joke that misses. It's a joke that isn't even technically right. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Dean. I feel like you're looking at us for answers and we don't have. I'm them. looking <laughs> right at you all for answers right I, now. Explain command. Okay. Um, there's no it's, answer. Okay. Tim, Tim, it's something we say on the podcast often. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Dean, tell us about the three wishes. What? Oh, to, he. Since you're having so much a, fun with this end sequence. Kirby is a genie. Yes, he's a genius. So he's also uh, a genie if you want to shorten genius, because that's how you do it. You shorten it to genie. And he will grant Commandi uh, three wishes, which um, I don't exactly remember what each three are, but they get him home. Have you guys all read, uh, Pat, I know you have read Grant Morrison's Animal Man? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Tim, have you read that by chance? Hey, Alex, guess if I've read Animal Man. <laughs> he's not a he's not a real animal he can just use their powers but there's animal people on the covers uh okay so that's a that's a series where something like this bringing in the creator at the end works right. yes okay that's so why i, I wanted it that. to work that's where it's it works a totally different like reason though too like in that yeah. it's like actually grant morrison is bringing him in to like interrogate himself whereas this is like more like homage to jack Kirby. yeah right? yeah that's the idea there I thought it was kind of cute and sweet, but like really? it's not like deep okay. or anything. Yeah, like I was okay. like, hey. Oh, Jack. Jack I was okay with it. I yeah. thought it was super weird. Um, it's always bizarre when you've got like one of the writers in the book talking to a character. I just, I, I think that's something that's so new and so rarely done that it feels odd in a comic yeah. book. But as I was going through this book, I didn't know how they were going to end this book or like what, what this, what the, like, what the steps were going to be for them to get to closure in this book where I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm done with this book. And as I was reading it, I wasn't enjoying it. And then when it was all done and Kirby, whatever gives him his three wishes, the first couple don't work. And then they say they do something like his power. All he had to do was like figure out his power, his superpower. And he figured that out by falling to kind of mm. like all these times he fell to his death in the comic. That was what was activating his power. Um, mm. That's kind of how they get there. When all was said and done, basically what I was waiting for ends up happening. And that is that Commandi as the boy we see in the first couple of pages, who's running off to school, who lives with his grandma. We get that boy again. He's back at home. He's running off to school from his grandma's house and he has somehow done this reset or whatever. And maybe, maybe that duplicate, like maybe, maybe this is just a circle. Like maybe he's going to run off to school. People are going to fall through the sky and this whole thing's going to happen again. Maybe that's more of the command D more of where the duplicate rather than a reset or whatever. But um, I liked kind of getting full circled back to seeing him as the boy where he doesn't know another world exists. And that's kind of where they end it, except they give us a couple more pages where a monkey is talking at us. Yeah. Well, the, Tim, 
Now you're talking Planet of the Apes. You just said circle a bunch of times. <laughs> and now go. we have a talking hey. monkey. We're really getting into Planet hey. of the Apes here. Alex, wasn't that Detective Chimp thing? That was like, Detective uh, Chimp. Yeah, they did that in like 70s yeah. DC comics, I think. What or, was that? Didn't they do it in like 70s DC, DC comics? Like in yes. between. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, yeah. I mean, it was really weird coming up kind of in here. Right. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I get it. Who's Detective Chimp? That's that's the number one like detective for DC. You want something? Uh, to uh, excuse out? me. Excuse me. What, what about Batman? <laughs> no, he's better than no. Batman. No, oh, come no, on. no, no. It's always Detective Chimp. Batman's the greatest come detective. On. No. Alex, detective is he a Chimp, or was he like an advertisement? I can't remember now. He was an actual character. Okay. Yeah. Which? Yeah. Uh, what books was he in? Um, he had his own book and, but then he was also really? showing up in like, yeah, yeah. He was just, he was just in, what was the last thing he was just in? Um, Tom Taylor used him in, uh, deceased. What else was he? He was, he actually was in, um, one of the big Batman issues, one of the short stories he was in where they actually talk about. Uh, Batman being a, tech, uh, a detective and sort of having to pass this like big um, sort of test that they have. It's a detective test and he finally passes it and he gets to join the ranks of all of like the actual world's greatest detectives and Detective Chimp is already there, of course. Wow, yes. the world's greatest detective <laughs> finally passed the test. I have a very serious question for Alex. Uh-huh. You and Dean also had another podcast where you guys were going through the ages with Batman, you guys read hundreds and hundreds of Batman comics. And yeah. it sounds like you know about Detective Chimp. I'm I want you to tell me your personal <laughs> opinion. Do you think Detective Chimp is a better detective than Batman? Yeah. Detective, yeah. Wow. Get out of here. Wow. I'm blown wow. away. Isn't that I'm a, blown isn't away. That a better, he's not a better crime fighter or anything, but he's a better wow. detective. I got to read me some Detective Chimp. You got to, man. <laughs> this smells like another double feature right here. It's in here. his name. You don't, you, you don't say Detective Batman. <laughs> no, but you, <laughs> when you hear Batman, it's you true. immediately think Detective. No. You say the Batman. He doesn't need it in his name. Uh, no. No, I'm sorry. Okay, it's Detective, Detective Chimp. Chimp. All right. Well, you heard it here first, everybody. Detective also, Chimp. Also, read, go read some uh, Swamp Thing. He shows up in that. He does, hey? Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. Which one? In the more Swamp Things? No. Okay. No. Are you know that's, what? Does it show up That's interesting then. Yeah, that's like, those are the only ones I remember. Apparently, like, Swamp Things I remember. I know that there's, like, plenty of good other ones, but more ones. That... I was searching through my basement recently, and I found uh -huh. a stash of old comic books I didn't know I had. They weren't uh, in protective nice. cases because I didn't know I had them. I had Swamp Thing number 25 in it. Very nice. That's cool. Yeah, I was very thrilled to have it. It's a, it's apparently the first... Uh, Constantine. The right? first of Constantine. But there was like some... There's some drama to yeah. it because apparently um, the... Um, like Alan Moore was just playing with the Constantine character, trying to get his looks down. So apparently he he drew the character and put him in the book but he's not like referred to as Constantine. Then a few issues mm -hmm. later, he's referred to as Constantine and the character looks the same as this just random mm. character who is in the book in the right. 25. So it's like a, maybe like a page test or something, but uh, I, yeah. I really quickly put that thing in protective in a protective case. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Well, there you go. Wasn't the whole thing that they just wanted to make him look like sting. Mm. <laughs> Seriously. I think, I think that's what they nice. wanted to do. They wanted to make him look yeah. like sting. Not, yeah, I mean, that's not the worst like idea. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Guys, got a Fields of Gold? Who, who's a Fields of Gold fan here? I am. Of course. Great song. My Give it to me. Although, Dr Dream of the Blue Turtles is one of the best albums of all time. That, that was Sting's first solo album. Really? I'll have to check it out. Yeah. It's really good. You'll, you'll recognize some songs off of it. Fortress Around Your Heart and... Um, if you love some something, set it free. There's, Does there's he still sound like the police on that album, or is it like? No, you no. He's already getting into his own stuff. He's getting into his nice. own stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bigger Sting fan than I am a Police fan. 
I think it depends on what you're looking for, man. Police is a little bit more like vibey, like punky. I mean, they were like new wave, and then yeah. like, Sting is like more ballads. Really, really get into it. Yeah, into the Sonics. Yeah. Anybody got any final thoughts on the book? It's not necessary to read. Like we said, read issue nine if if you if you want a really good like standalone issue. Other than that, I would eh, recommend. Yeah, like don't buy the like trade paperback of it, but like if you're at a comic book store, like it might be worth buying like a random issue if it's yeah. a back issue. Yeah, yeah. Because really, any of them, there's no to me. Yes, there's this narrative of him trying to find his parents and whatnot, but all of that completely is it, nothing. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There, yeah. There's nothing. That, just pick it up. You're in for some, you know, wacky, uh, wacky ideas in it, but. Um, so, so it, it's probably better. You know what, Pat? I like that idea. It's probably better to just grab a random issue and read it yeah. than it is to read through all 12 of them. No, yeah. You should like pick out the one if you see like an artist you like on it. Yeah. Or, like if you yeah. pick it up and you see like the art looks cool, yeah. buy that one. Because some of them are like, they are like really fun just as like single, like contained comics. Yeah. I will say, I, I, I would be interested in reading more of, I don't know if you say Commanda or Command A. Uh, that yeah. like female yeah. commandi that that, sh- that showed up in that in the last issue i want more of that that totally. idea coming out of the different bunkers yeah. i think yeah. they got something That'd be there. cool they That's got cool. something yeah. there. if they did like a full-on commandi yeah i was hoping they were yeah. actually going to continue with that uh as the final issue i thought so yeah. too no that would have been cool. Because yeah. I'd never read this. I, I'm fairly certain I stopped reading the series after the Tom King issue. I don't know if I ever read it <laughs> after yeah. that. I never finished it. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I, oh, Dean? I had final thoughts, Tim. Okay, go ahead. I would just say what I say with 80s and 90s action movies that I think maybe aren't that good, but we cover on this show. Uh, you know, if you watch a ton of movies... Watch those movies. If you read a ton of comics, this is fine. Pick it up. You'll have a fun time. But if you read one or two comics a month, if you're just a, you know, part time comic reader, you can pass on this. You can find something else that's going to be, you know, better to read in your time. Yep. I agree with that. So, Alex, thank you so much for joining, my friend. It's a lot of fun having you on. Thank you for inviting me. Anytime. I'll be back. Pat, thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's really awesome to have you guys both on uh, on the same episode. It's fantastic. Dean, thanks for joining. You bet. And thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.